from high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Emily Ernson. This is your news for Wednesday, November 29th. Construction on a housing and shopping development along the Colorado River in Cane Creek will start next week after years of back and forth with the state and the county. Plans for the 176-acre facility have been controversial with Moab residents who don't want developments along this untouched section of the Colorado River. On Monday, residents held a meeting with the Division of Water Quality to raise concerns about flooding at this site. Developers have received permission to grade the property up to six feet in some areas to raise the property levels above the flood zone. Fill for this project will be dug up and relocated from other sections of the King's Bottom property. Construction on a stormwater system will begin on December 4th. Some Moab residents are hoping to halt construction, but since the land is privately owned and zoned for commercial use, some say that at this point in the process, it's too late to stop the project. The train has left the station. There's no way to, like, say, no, this project is never going to happen. This is Caitlin Myers, city council member-elect. She's watched this project unfold since the beginning, when plans were proposed to Grand County in 2019. First of all, this was allowed by right. And back then, the scope of the project was so much smaller. And I think because it's an administrative approval... The developer was allowed to amend their site plan. That's never going to go before the planning commissioner or the county commission. Basically, that's how it's set up in the land use code. If you own a piece of property and you don't have to subdivide it and everything that you want to do on that parcel is just allowed or permitted in the land use code, all you have to do is submit a site plan application. It's it's like the same as owning a single family parcel out in the county and wanting to build like a 6,000 square foot home. That's never going to go before the commission. Whether people like it or not, it's allowed in the code. And so all you have to do is go to planning and zoning and get a site plan approval. The property is zoned as a highway commercial zone. Previously, the King's Bottom property was an egg farm and most recently a trailer park until residents were evicted in 2021. You are allowed to do overnight accommodations. Highway Commercial is the highest density residential district in the county. And just generally, it like has the most permitted uses because most of where we see Highway Commercial is along 191. So it's just it was an inappropriate zoning district for that parcel. At Monday's meeting, residents raised concerns about flooding along the river and possible liabilities for the county in the future. Concerns about the grading process were also expressed, and many were upset that dozens of acres of vegetation and delicate topsoil will be removed and relocated as fill. I think also people are just sad to, you know, that's like a entrance to a very wild place where a lot of people recreate. That's like the mouth of a lot of world-famous climbing, biking, base jumping, jeeping routes, and it's going to really change the character of that area. You can find more information about the plan in today's show notes. Thrifting is all the rage these days. It serves a lot of different needs for a lot of different people. Some go because it's cheap, others go for the hidden treasures. But when it comes to the donation side of things, there's a lot you might not know. One of the biggest discoveries is that the majority of unsellable donated clothes aren't going back to your community. Instead, they're exported out of the country. KGNU's Report for America core member Jackie Sedley dove into the thrifting landscape and brings us this report. It feels endless. The racks and racks of clothes at thrift stores, all different colors and sizes and materials. 
at the Salvation Army in Boulder. They're constantly reorganizing and restocking, thanks to the constant stream of donations coming through on the daily. Mary Heinrich, the store manager, says other than an occasional pair of dirty socks or super-stained t-shirt, the majority of items they receive via donation are things they try to sell in the store. However, you know, what I normally tell people is if it's something you wouldn't buy, then chances are somebody else is not going to want to buy that. Or people that have a community garage sale, and then we get their donations afterwards, well, if it didn't sell at a garage sale for a dollar or two, it's probably not going to sell at our thrift store. If items at Salvation Army don't sell for an extended period of time, Heinrich says, the Salvation Army puts them on sale. If they still don't get picked up and purchased, they end up in what Heinrich calls a ragout bin. Our director of operations has uh, wholesaler relationships with folks who buy that in bulk. Justin Stockdale of the Center for Hard-to-Recycle Materials in Boulder says what happens to these items that are donated to thrift stores that don't sell, like the stuff that ends up in the Salvation Army ragout bin, is a huge problem. He says wholesalers end up selling these items into the global export market to countries considered low- and middle-income. Here's Stockdale. The textile industry focuses on the fast fashion problem, which is certainly a component of the issue. The bigger issue is, frankly, taking donated clothes, packaging them up in bales, putting them in shipping containers, and sending them off into the world is not an answer, right? We are just truly pushing the problem downstream somewhere else and not acknowledging the great challenge that that is. Over at the Center for Hard-to-Recycle Materials, which is also known as CHARM, donors throw their bags of clothes and other hard-to-recycle materials into a large bin, which then gets collected by a partner organization that sends the clothes off for them, largely into the global export market. Because of this pipeline, Charm only accepts reusable items. They don't want dirty socks, torn-up sheets, and more. But Stockdale says that reusable is a subjective term, and that's where it gets tricky. Donation is good. We don't want people to not donate. We want to encourage more people to donate. But understand, it's donation of resellable stuff. Your dirty underwear, nobody wants them. Put them in the landfill and be okay with that. Which... at this extreme, that's hard. People want to recycle everything. Like, they get, like, viscerally upset that they can't recycle things. Stockdale says that while the thrift store model has environmental and ethical advantages compared to fast fashion, it's not a solution. If it is, this thing has value, it retained this shirt that I'm wearing has value, I donate it, somebody can buy it and wear it, that's good, responsible use of, you know, produced, manufactured goods. Um, that is healthy for the planet, that is... Uh, the better solution, right? Obviously, reduction waste avoidance is the better goal, right? Wear your stuff until it's until it's not wearable. Like, that would be the ideal. Um, not everybody is willing to do that. From Stockdale's perspective, we need to export things that have verified value. He views the export donation model as a form of colonialism. And he says we can't just accept the false belief that we're helping people by sending all of our discarded clothes worldwide. That is where I start to come morally, ethically, personally undone by the whole thing. There's no part of colonialism that was a good thing, and here we are acting like we're still doing it, and it's still a good thing, and it's just abhorrent, frankly. But not everyone I talked to shared Stockdale's sentiment about the inevitable unethical harm that thrifted clothes into the global export market does to communities worldwide. Cultural sustainability or social sustainability— but in a lot of countries, secondhand clothes firstly provide clothes, 
Hannah Rose Schell is a CU Boulder professor who is also the author of several publications and a film about textile waste and recycling. She says she's seen firsthand how places across the globe, like Haiti, make use of globally exported clothing, depending on how easy and durable the clothing's material is. Secondly, provide job opportunities for a lot of small-time merchants, people that will like basically buy up huge bales of secondhand clothes from the like the pier or the port in in Haiti, but you know, in other ways in other generally developing countries. So Shell thinks it isn't necessarily that people should feel their donation is having an unethical impact on the world, but it's more that they should be aware that it might not be going directly back to their community. Back in Boulder, Mary Heinrich with the Salvation Army really wants to create partnerships with different community organizations to get unsellable items to community members. I find people have good intentions, but then the follow-through doesn't happen, so that partnership doesn't really 100% come to fruition. You know, an example would be, I don't want to get rid of comforters and blankets that can't sell. So I would like to partner with a shelter or a nonprofit that could help find a good home for those. For now, she hopes donators can continue to bring in good quality products in many different sizes and for all different weather conditions. For KGNU and Report for America, I'm Jackie Sedley. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, November 29th. Get your community power journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.